Rated M for Mecca. Welcome to Buildcasters, the podcast that's all Mecca, all the time. I'm Ash Beard Guy, one half of the Melanated Mecca Bros you know and love. And tonight, I'm joined by... Yin Designs, aka Kokajin Creates. I am one half of the creative duo at Studio Maho, formerly known as Team God Punch. Hey Yende, thank you so much for coming on the episode so first of all, the first question I'm going to ask is what was your start of darkness into this weave issue? Like, how did you become enamored with anime and manga? Um, honestly, um, it was kind of like in little bits and pieces when I was younger. Um, cause you know, I grew up watching stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh and, and Pokemon and all that kind of stuff. So I was already kind of like into that kind of stuff. And then I got into more mainstream things, I guess, like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that, just by going to like the library and going to the comic section and finding a random manga. Yeah, one of the first manga I ever read was a Dragon Ball Z volume. And I was just like, this is awesome. Like, I love this. And then later on, like, I was into it. You know, I liked Naruto. I liked all that kind of stuff. I wasn't like actively watching series, like, you know, binging series or watching a bunch of episodes until I got to like high school. Now, my dad was into old school, you know, 80s and 90s shows like uh, Robotech, Thundercats and all that kind of stuff. So I watched that. And then when I got to high school, I started watching Bleach, Bleach, like watching and reading Bleach. That was like really what got me deep into anime. Like I, I was I started watching whole series and stuff after that um, and getting in stuff like Steins Gate and sort of on the line. I don't think had come out yet. Um Excel World, which was by the same creator, uh, had come out around that time. So I was in the anime club in high school and used to get on some new series just by going to the anime club and being like, oh, this is kind of dope. Let me watch the rest of that. You know, even though we may have only watched one episode in the meeting. So, yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Wait, did you say your dad watched anime, like specifically mecha anime? Your dad watched Robotech. Oh, yeah. No, he was a big Robotech fan. I guess you're young enough to have a parent that like would have been into that stuff. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I'm 29. My parents are in their mid 50s. I'm guessing your pops is like in his 40s. Yeah, both my parents are in their 40s. So they're like getting close to 50, like maybe two or three years away from 50. Yeah. So you're going to have parents that are young enough to have been exposed to that weebish in their like early to mid 20s. Right. So yeah, my pops is a nerd. Like he's more into like Star Trek and stuff though. Like he's a massive, massive Trekkie. Okay. So I guess I'd get my love of sci-fi from him. But other than that, like the animated stuff, he's not really on that still. But like I might be able to persuade him to watch Lower Decks because Lower Decks kind of raw. Specifically, what left you with a fascination with Mecha, Giant Robots? Like how did you become enamored with those? I think it was mostly because I had watched transformers not the not the move not the live action film um like the original transformers animated movie um i don't know how many times i rented that from the library but like i i've, I've probably seen that movie a, a good 10 or 12 times um and i just really liked transformers i love transformers and this is when i was a kid so then later on you know my dad's like Yo, this is, there's a series I used to watch called Robotech. You know, like he was introducing me to some of the series that he used to watch, like Voltron, um, Thundercats, you know, stuff like that. Oh, what was it? Um, Galaxy Rangers, you know, like just all kinds of stuff. So we got to Robotech, and I just like the idea of, you know, things being able to transform into robots. I, I, I guess I just kind of took a liking to, to Mecha in general, just the, the idea of, you know, being able to a uh, person in the, in a cockpit and then like controlling a, a big robotic suit was like super cool to me. Um, so of course I love the Robotech. And, um, after that, I didn't really get into like deep into anything mecha. I just kind of had a fascination with it 
for a while. Um, like I didn't get into deep into Gundam or anything like that, and really didn't start watching mecha anime specifically until like late high school, early college. So that's when I was like, oh, there's like other mecha series out there. That's like a specific subgenre. You know, there's there's other stuff to watch. Most of the stuff that I was exposed to around my college years is probably newer mecha series. Um, I'm trying to think what's old that I watched uh, in terms of mecha. Uh, well, I already said Voltron. Voltron is a mecha anime. Um, yeah, not a lot of old stuff. I watched a lot of newer newer mecha series. Uh, and I've seen so many, it's hard to like name them off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, man, it gets like that, bro. Trust me, it gets like that. Yeah. Like, what, what sort of stuff? I mean, I know you've seen some Gundam, I assume. What Gundam series have you seen specifically? Um, I watched a little bit of... What is this one called? I actually have it on... I got... So I started watching this one because I got it on DVD by chance. Like, one of those kind of, like, anime boxes, and they send you, like, a free gift type thing. Oh, okay, cool. Um, So I started watching Gundam Seed... And this is like Gundam S Destiny. Oh, Gundam C Destiny. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So that one's pretty cool. I kind of took a break from watching it because I, I realized that the, the video that they sent me was like volume nine or something like that. So I didn't <laughs> want to start in the middle of the series. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what's happening. So <laughs> okay. Let me go ahead and like go back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I've seen a little bit of the OG Gundam, like. Like the original, what was the first? The first one came out in like the eighties. Uh, seventy nine. The original uh, Mobile Suit Gundam came out. Seventy nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen a little bit of that. Um, but I, I guess I felt like so overwhelmed by how many different Gundam franchises were already out by the time I knew about Gundam that I was like, I have no idea what to watch. You know, like, so I kind of like. I've you know knew about Gundam and was like yeah I know Gundam is like heralded as like this like the father essentially of the mecha franchise or the mecha genre um but I have no idea where to start you know what I'm saying so yeah I just recently have decided like yeah I'm going to go and try and like figure out how I'm going to watch them in order essentially I know some of them are not technically connected they're like side stories or or it's it's kind of weird. I, I've I've read that like the the timeline for Gundam is kind of all over the place in terms of what's canon and what's not technically related to the main series, I guess. So yeah, haven't haven't seen a ton of Gundam. Most of the stuff that I've watched is other franchises. That's that's pretty cool. That gives you kind of like a fresh perspective on mecha anime if you haven't seen um a lot of Gundam because obviously Gundam's kind of the premier mecha anime franchise kind of like the flagship one uh as for gundam right being the father of like mecha anime i wouldn't really say that it was more like the father of like the real robot subgenre right 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 not mecha in general yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so robots actually being used as like semi-realistic weapons of war as opposed to like super robot anime where the robots are like have fantastical powers that they pull out of their backsides right like 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 a getter robo or yeah 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 like or that. like um daimos yeah. or mm-hmm. combat la v basically so talking about mecha is a good way to segue into your mecha series blade titans as you know um as soon as i found out about blade titans i instantly instantly got hyped i was just like a mecha manga by people that look like me what i am all in on this Obviously, I didn't mention it at the start, but you are obviously a mangaka and an artist of a ridiculous amount of talent. Um, so, yeah, just like tell us, give us a little bit about Blade Titans, the premise of it, and also the mecha anime or manga that potentially may have influenced it. Yeah. So, in fact, let me just go ahead and pull up while because, you know, I'm on the computer. While we're talking about it, let me pull up my blade titans like notes page so that i know what i can and cannot talk about this is this was a mistake that i made when i talked about this on one of the other podcasts for the first time and this was before i had we had actually like you know nothing had come out about it yet so 
I was getting into spoiler territory and, and, and Patrick, you know, the co-writer had to tell me, he was like, Hey, well, can't, can't talk about that yet. So, <laughs> um, but of course now the first, the first 19 pages are out. So of course uh, I can talk about a little bit of it. I will talk about the things that have been revealed already. So, I mean, some of the merch, um, that you've actually got on the InDesign store is kind of spoilery. It's a, it, well, yeah. a little bit. Uh, like like the Tengu shirt, yeah. Like reveals the design Obviously. for that, yeah. Um, but I had kind of I had revealed the Tengu design earlier on social media as kind of like a teaser, oh, okay. As to you know what some of the mecha designs would look like. Yeah, I I went through your um your Instagram still and had a look at some of the mechanical design and and as yeah. a long time fan of mecha anime and mechanical designers, I'm exceptionally impressed like exceptionally exceptionally impressed thank you i i try to um you know get some inspirations from just a bunch of different designs and it may not even be like you know big name creators or anything from like a specific series i really will sometimes just go on google images and like type in some mecha like just keyword mecha uh mecha designs or something like that and see what comes up and just kind of take it all in and choose aspects that I think are really interesting and try and build a unique full design out of that. So, but yeah, as far as Blade Titans is concerned, so Blade Titans is, um, it was basically born from the this idea that I had, uh, which was, you know, what if... Can I talk about that? Can I do? I want to say that people kind of already know at this point. I feel like, yeah, it's in it's in the it's in the summary, so I'll, I, I can talk about it. Okay, so yeah, so it was born from this idea that like, and it was this is just random, you know, one of those three a.m. thoughts, you know. Um, I was like, yo, what if like ancient swords were keys to giant mecha? Like, you know, you had to use the sword as like an activation key for the mecha, and I was like. Wouldn't that be super dope? So, me being, you know, the, the ridiculous spiraling creator when it comes to random ideas, I get on Google and I start doing research on swords. And, you know, I narrowed it down to like one region because it was just, it, it would have been ridiculous trying to compile uh, information on swords from all over the world. So, I narrowed it down, then just kind of started building the story from there. Uh, so the story, we have, you know, our main character, Mirai Nakamura, who's half black, half Japanese. Um, she lives in Neo-Tokyo, which is kind of like a super futuristic version of today's Tokyo. Um, story takes place 300, a little over 300 years from present day. So uh, years like 23, 26, I believe. Um, Neo-Tokyo is like, you know, the world overpopulation everywhere scarce resources you know war-torn you know areas governments at 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 odds with each other over power you know not much has changed but things have really just gotten worse essentially so cities you know specifically large cities that had huge populations already decided okay we're we can't build out we can't build flat you know outward there's not enough land for that um we're going to start building up so Neo Tokyo, uh, the Neo Tokyo project started, and they were they built on top of what is today's Tokyo. You know, uh, you have Waki Noshida at the bottom, which is translates to the armpit. Um, that's basically original Tokyo with a few, you know, additional add-ons within the past couple of hundred years, and that's where most of the people who are below the poverty level or just not doing well you know, live down there. Uh, the government basically was like, y'all are on your own. We're, we're going to keep building up. You guys have fun down there. And then there's Shinzo, which is uh, tr roughly translates to the heart um, of Neo-Tokyo. Uh, that's kind of like the commerce uh, and business sector. So, you know, you got all your malls, your shops, uh, a lot of corporations are run in Shinzo. And then up top, you've got Choten, and that's the apex. You know, that's what it roughly translates to. That's where all your rich folk live, 
your government officials, your, you know, your CEOs of companies, they live, it's like, you know, the golden city up there. Everything is super clean and they've got all, all the greatest technology is up there. So our main character, Mirai, lives in Wakinoshita. She lives at the bottom. You know, she's poor. Family's pretty poor. I wouldn't say like bottom, bottom poverty level, like living on the streets. You know, they do live in an apartment, but they're really struggling down there. And, and you know, it's her, her mom, her dad, and her two younger siblings. So she works at an energy plant run by Fujiwara, which is the largest energy and technology, you know, corporation in the Eastern Hemisphere. They um, they run the city, essentially, um, as a corporation. I mean, all of the cutting-edge technology that Tokyo uses um, and all of the energy production is handled by them. So she's working at one of their plants down in Wakinoshita, and um, she's not making much, <laughs> clearly. Uh, she's young, you know, she's only 18 years old, so... She's trying her best to, you know, help ease the burden, the financial burden on her family. But, you know, at the end of her first shift, I think it's her first shift um, as full, like full salary, like, you know, her full first paycheck is trash. And so she brings it home after getting a ticket from a police drone because she was parked in the wrong spot um, for like three minutes. She comes home. And her paycheck is already like cut. You know, she's gotten a parking ticket and her family's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? You don't have much money left that you've brought home. What can we do to make up for that? So uh, the family basically decides, all right, we're going to scrounge around the house, find some some items that we don't need. And we're going to take them to this pawn shop up the street. So one of the items that they find is a sword and it's a, you know, it's a family heirloom, something that's been passed down to her dad's side for generations, you know? And he's like, man, I haven't seen this thing in years, but again, you know, at, during this time period, nobody uses swords, you know, swords are, are basically seen as useless. So he's like, well, it's only going to be collecting more dust. If we leave it here, might as well put it in the stack of things to sell. So she takes that and a bunch of other things down to the pawn shop. She's getting everything appraised. And right as she's about to get the sword appraised, these men from Fujiwara show up. There's these guys in suits. And they're like, clearly they know the pawn shop owner. And the owner has like this look on his face. And he's like, okay, Mirai, come behind the counter real quick, like before they get up here and just hide. Like, keep, take the sword and just hide. And so it's revealed that, of course, they're looking for, you know, something quote unquote interesting. And that interesting thing is swords, like what Mirai has. So the pawn shop owner knows this and tells Mirai, hey, you need to get out of here. Go ahead and run. And, um, you know, he's going to try and buy her some time. Well, they shoot him in the shoulder, you know, and he's like, just keep, just go. I'll be fine. So she has to run away and two of the men chase after her. And um, she has to leave the, the pawn shop owner, Mr. Watanabe, behind. Um and of course, that's all that's in the first 19 pages. So I won't go past that, but I'll give you a little bit of what will come next, essentially, for the series as a whole. So obviously, you know, it is a, a mecha series, and um, there are these mecha called Titans. You know, they're ancient, as far as they know, alien technology, you know, and they're activated by swords. So each of them, you know, is a is is special and controls some sort of elemental attribute and of course we'll kind of introduce them throughout the story during each arc you may get introduced to um you know one titan that was found in japan you know you may get introduced to another titan that's found somewhere else on the globe you know and each of them will have their own pilot right so basically there's this race between corporations and and other organizations to amass the Titans, like all of the Titans, find them all and use their power to shape the world as they see fit. And so our main character gets thrown into that whole mess. And yeah, that's all I can say without getting too far into spoiler territory. So when the next 30 something pages of chapter one come out, you may, you may have a little bit more to, to go on in, in terms of, you know, like we can talk about the main character's mech that she finds Fujiwara's pilot that they send out who has a 
a Titan as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you for that insight. Massively, massively appreciate it. First of all, um, I ain't going to lie. When I read the first 19 pages on Webtoon, when it ended on a cliffhanger, I was mad. Like, I was really, really angry. I was just like, why would he do this? That's the first thing. (laughs) Just like, I want more. Second thing, that premise sounds pretty amazing. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm definitely, definitely, definitely interested in um, finding out more. In terms of the Titans, I know you have revealed some of them on social media. Um, I'm not going to talk about yes. what you revealed on your Instagram here <clears throat> or the name of that particular Tekiorgian, which means Iron Giant, which I think is the name of the Titans collectively in your manga. Is that correct? Yeah. So Fujiwara, um, because they were the first corporation to um find the titans or you know discover them in 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 the uh current day they've coined the term techiogene for their kind of collective term for the titans yes so that's like the project their secret project that they work on is you know discovering more titans obviously but also researching them and the technology that they use so that they can incorporate that into their manufacturing and whatnot so it's a pretty interesting term that I kind of came up with. Uh, I know it translates to Iron Giant, and you know there is going to be that 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 point where people realize that, and they're like, "Oh my God, Iron Giant!" Like you know the Iron Giant series, like the film, right? And um, yes, that is what that is in reference to. So yeah, I thought as much. Like as soon as I picked it up in the first nineteen pages, I was like, "Yep." Iron Giant reference. I'm I'm sure I'm yep. not the only one that picked that up. I'm sure you received like other messages about that. But yeah, like as soon as I saw it, I was just like, this guy is a f- effing nerd. <laughs> He's such a dork. <laughs> I was just like, yes. Yes. You know, I love, you know, little small references like that in my work, you know, um, having names of things, reference other, you know, either pop culture or just having deeper meaning behind the names of things you know it's it's one thing to have something sound cool but it adds another layer of coolness when that thing also like has a specific meaning you know that's pretty dope that's pretty dope i'm not sure how much i'm allowed to say um you haven't given me any specific insight but um i noticed the grunt suit the tengu which is on the front of the t-shirt that you guys can Mm -hmm. see on my profile picture on socials and so on and so forth i noticed that's based on yokai or on a yokai from um, obviously Japanese folklore. Yes. So, are the titans all collectively based on yokai? I heard you mention that they were found globally. So, will they be based on different mythological creatures from different folklores of ancient civilizations around the world, or are they just purely based on creatures from Japanese folklore? So, the titans in general, so the actual titans, you know, because the Tengu are imitation Titans. They're, you know, grunt suits. Um, not, you know, part of the original, I'm not going to say how many numbered Titans there are, but there are, you know, a specific set number of actual Titans scattered across the globe. So the Tengu are kind of like what Fujiwara came up with okay. um, as a result of their yeah. research. Um, so the Tengu are based on, you know, the Japanese mythological creature Tengu, you know, um, the heavenly dog, you know, you've probably seen mask of, you know, Tengu mask everywhere, which is like the, the red mask with the long red nose. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So that's what the Tengu designs are based off of. They have, of course, you've, we've never seen a Tengu in color yet. I haven't done a color drawing of a Tengu yet, but they, the nose is red. So that's kind of like the defining feature of the Tengu oh, fighters okay. is the, the fact that they have a, a red kind of beak, you know? So the art on the t-shirt isn't a color drawing and it's just black and white because it looks kind of purple. It is. Uh, so it is purple. It's color, but it's not, it's stylized. You know, that's not the actual color scheme for the, for the mech. So it's not purple um, in the series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got you. Got you. Fair enough. It's really the imitation Titans from because they're all and I I can't this isn't really a spoiler but I'm I'm sure you can guess that in, in any Mecha series you know there are other organizations that have their own versions of you know Mecha right like grunt suits so Fujiwara has the Tengu fighters 
uh, and we'll go to other places and, you know, they'll be based on, you know, something relative to that area. It may be like an animal or a mythological creature or something like that, you know, but the, t- the Titans themselves, you know, uh, they don't have like a, something that they're associated with or that they're supposed to represent, I guess, you know, like how the Tengu have the Tengu, the heavenly okay, dogs, okay. mythological yeah, yeah. reference. Yeah. The, the Titans themselves don't have a reference. Okay. They're just kind of like made and they have their, you know, elemental gotcha. attributes. But other than that, yeah, the design is just purely, that's it. <laughs> Am I actually allowed to talk about the Titan that you posted on your Instagram or not really? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I, yeah, we've talked about, or I posted the Gilded Titan, I believe, right? Yeah, um, yes, it's based on light, so it's got a light-based attribute, and yeah, so I guess we, hold on, let me uh, let me pull that up. I didn't uh, I didn't talk about all of its abilities, but I did kind of uh, mention a few of the things that it can do. So that Titan is, uh, like we said, it's light-based uh, abilities. If you can see the design, if you go to my Instagram, you look at it, you'll see that it has regular armor like any other Titan. Um, but it also has a special, like, hard light armor that's, I guess, on top of the regular armor. So it's got basically two layers of armor in certain places. It's, like, reinforced. And I'm not going to get too deep into, like, how I came up with the design, but just know that it's kind of in reference to the name. You know, the nickname for the Titan is Azazel. It translates into like a demon, or it depends on what religious context you're using the name in. Um, this one is more of a translation for like king of the the genie uh, or jinn in some cultures. Not a reference to Azazel in like Christian themes, where that's another name for like Lucifer, right? So yeah, it's based more on like Middle Eastern Arabic translation. I thought as much. Yeah, so it's uh, you know it's light based abilities, so it can manipulate light in various ways. We've already talked about the the heart light armor uh, on the outside, but it also uses uh, hard light weapons. So it can create weapons out of light, like spears and swords and sh- and shields and all kinds of stuff like that um, for both offense and defense. So uh, that's one of its abilities. It can also refract light waves to appear invisible. And create mirages of itself, basically like cloaking technology, but also you know using light to either appear in different areas or or whatnot. You know, re- refracting light can can do a, a lot of different things. Uh, and yeah, can't talk about any of the other abilities because that would, that would that'd be a little spoiler, a little too much information. Considering this Titan does not really get revealed uh, until probably like the third or fourth arc. I believe. So we're you're not going to see him anytime soon. This is like maybe 40 chapters down the line. 40 chapters. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is going it's going to yeah. be a long one. It's going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one. So, yeah, but we will I mean there there'll be another Titan that's introduced uh before this one that I haven't shown or talked about at all. Actually, it'll be two because at the end of the first chapter we reveal, you know, the the Stone Titan, right? So you'll see that that it's not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. So is that Mirai's mech? The Stone Titan? No. No. She she has a special mech that actually well, I guess I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that. Fair enough. But her Titan is is uh is different from the other handful of mechs, you know, in that in that series. It's also the youngest mech, so it was created very recently compared to the other ones. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so it's a, it's very different. Okay, interesting. This isn't a spoiler, so you're going to find her Titan to be very weak in comparison to the other Titans for at least, you know, a little while, like, you know, a handful of chapters, maybe the first arc, you're going to be like, man, this Titan kind of sucks. Like, it looks cool and everything, but like, what can it really do? Right. And we'll, you'll, you'll find out that it's got a lot of hidden abilities and Mirai is really just scratching the surface of what her, her Titan can do when she starts piloting it. So rest assured, you'll get some really cool, you know, the, the Titan, Titan zero, get his little glow up moment multiple times throughout the series. So yeah, but the stone Titan is, a uh, is one of Fujiwara's mechs. Uh, you know, it's the first, it's the first one that they found. So 
this is kind of a, it's not a spoiler, but it'll be revealed in the rest of the first chapter. So if you've read the first 19 pages, you know that Mr. Watanabe, the pawn shop owner, was talking about how Fujiwara found the first one, you know, talking about the Titans. The first Titan that they found was the Stone Titan. That one was found in Japan. We'll have a whole, you know, backstory um, chapter about not Fujiwara finding it, but about basically how the Titan um, ended up in Japan in the first place, essentially, or or really like where it was found in Japan. There's a whole chapter about that in the first, I believe it's in the first arc. That's like chapter five, maybe. So you'll get, you'll get that backstory later on, but we're going to introduce that Titan at the end of chapter one, and you'll really get to see what it looks like fully in chapter two, because in chapter one, it's more of like a cliffhanger type thing. Okay. Okay. Dope. You like your cliffhangers, don't you? I do. I mean, it's it's the best way to keep people engaged, man. You know. Oh boy. You gotta they gotta keep them wanting more. Keep them coming back. Nah, man. I'm gonna have to pull up with the chopper, man. Like as a fan of Mecca, what I've already read is amazing. Like if it gets even more amazing, and like there's a cliffhanger, and I have to wait too long for chapter two, I'm gonna be so mad. Like I'm guessing Mirai doesn't get her Mecca in chapter one, then. No, 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 no. She she does. So. The whole first chapter is basically how she ends up in the, the, the you know, in the middle of the clash between organizations, with, uh, you know, finding the Titans, right? So, like, this whole first chapter is a, is a wild-ass ride, you know? Like, as soon as she's, you know, when we left off uh, with Mr. Watanabe and one of the Fujiwara dudes, the other guys were chasing after Mirai with, with her sword, right? So, gonna have a whole chase scene, that lasts however many I think it's it's a pretty decent length. It's about eight eight or nine pages of the Fujiwara guys chasing her um, throughout Walking Oshida. During that chase, she will stumble upon Titan Zero somehow. That will be when she, you know, first is introduced to the Titan, and we'll kind of go from there. The rest of the chapter will be just. Her figuring out, like, or at least trying to figure out, like, okay, who built this? You know, like, why is this here? And then, of course, screwing up and trying to figure out how to pilot it. That's going to be a pretty fun scene. So that sounds super, super, super dope. So I feel like I've quizzed you a lot about Blade Titans. So just to finalize, can you give us some dates about kind of like when the rest of chapter one will drop on Webtoon, if it will drop on Webtoon, and when we can expect the physical copies of chapter one to ship out. So, um, right now, it's looking like if I'm working at a decent pace, I should finish chapter one probably within the next couple of weeks. Trying to finish it before the week of the 19th. So... We'll see how that goes. I, I do need about two weeks to finish. How many pages do I have left? I think you said 33, right? Oh, well, not anymore. So that was that. that's the rest of the pages that will be dropping. But I've finished, I think I have like 25, 20, 24, 25 pages left. Oh, okay. Well, to draw? To finish, yeah. Well, I, so the whole thing is already like drawn out, like sketched. Okay. I'm going through and inking and adding and toning and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, 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 yeah. that's what's, you know, taking the longest is the fact that, you know, currently and where I'm at, in the in the in the chapter, well, you saw at the end of the first part, the re-release that it was raining when Mirai ran out of the pawn shop. So yeah, 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 I saw that bit. Between the backgrounds and adding like rain effects and stuff like that, it's a lot of work for each page. So that's why it probably won't be finished for another two weeks. It will drop on Webtoon. We'll drop the second part on Webtoon. Then physical copies, you know, have that taken care of uh, through the 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 Mixum people that we use to to print our hard copies. Should get those. We usually it usually takes about a week and a half to get here when they ship. And yeah, then we'll immediately start shipping them out. We'll be closing the pre-order window in a, in a few weeks. So how how are pre-orders looking at the moment? Have you had quite a few? Um, well, it's first day, so we've only got like a handful of orders, so it usually takes like... Okay, Mo- mostly God Punch or or Titans? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a bit of both. Um, nice. So, in fact, let me see, I can pull up my form and... Because uh, I, I, might, I might have to like start pushing Titans like massively 
on um socials and stuff because i'm <laughs> yeah yo <laughs> yo i mean you know how much this means to me man yeah i'm yeah. personally invested in like i'm trying to personally invest myself in in pushing mecca to the masses in it the mecca the giant shoot your robot agenda in it like i'm fully behind it oh yeah like i said i mean you know this is a genre that historically lacks diversity and representation in a lot of you know different cultures aside from you know japanese and and even when it comes over to like the west you know we we, we rarely get any main characters of color so gundam has done a couple um well gundam has done a main character of color um i don't know if you've seen turn a gundam with with uh iron blood or orphans huh Yo, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Orga. But um, I was gonna say, um, if you see Turn A Gundam, mm-hmm. uh, the protagonist in Turn A Gundam, uh, Lauren Seahack, I think it's pronounced, mm-hmm. is actually a person of color. Although they might like, hand wave it as the person being from the moon, so they're part of the moon race, so they're technically kind of a human alien almost. Oh, okay. but um, they are a person of color. They do have brown skin. I consider them to be black anyway. Okay, so it's it's one of those like they're not really black, but they look like they one of us type things, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of a more of an ambiguous thing. It's an ambiguous thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Almost. Well, yeah, kind of. So, yeah. So we, we're basically playing up the fact that stuff like that is lacking. You know, we wanted to create a series for Mecha fans. You know, I'm a Mecha fan. We got Patrick's a Mecha fan. Um, Pat, I didn't know Pat was into Mecha anime. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he loves Gundam. Like he's, he's a big Gundam fan. Wait, what? I think his favorite Gundam is Wing Zero. What, as in like Gundam design? That's pretty cool. Yeah, Gundam design. Yeah, Gundam Wing be hitting with the designs, man. Trust. Yeah, yeah. So I like Mecha series and, and stuff like that. And I just was like, had that idea and was just, just took the opportunity to be like, why not have, you know, one of us be a main character and not even just like, you know, a male main character. Like, why not make it a, why not make it a girl? How how many how many how many mecha franchises have a female pilot as the main character, or a female person of color as their main character? I don't. I honestly don't think. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm pulling out an obscure one right now. Um, she's not a ma- she's not a pilot, but um, she is a main character. Can't remember her name, but there's an anime called Basquash. It's about like giant robots playing basketball. Interesting. It it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually pretty cool. Um, and the main, one of the MCs, she's the mechanic for, um, all of the mecha. Mm-hmm. Um, she's black. She's like explicitly black. Like, you know, you look at her skin, it's not even ambiguous. So yeah, you know, she's black, right? She's not a pilot, but like what Blade Titans is doing is groundbreaking 110%. Right. Yeah. So, and then of course we're leaning into the fact that like our entire cast is like people of color, you know? So our main character is black and Japanese and, and, and female um her rival in the series which we're we'll, we'll introduce is from africa and you know then we've got another character from south america who's who's going to be a pilot i mean shoot uh, yeah our cast is stacked in terms of like cultural and, and, and diversity and whatnot so like i said this is a global series so why would it, it wouldn't make sense if all the pilots were like of the same ethnicity or race so yeah, so we, you know, like I said, we wanted to create a mecha series that is very inclusive for a lot of different groups, and, and you know, makes people feel seen and represented. Uh, but at the same time, we're here to tell a fire ass story, you know, and and you know, it's it's giant, giant shooty robots with you know abilities and 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 weapons and and all kinds of shit. So, and that's another thing, you know, like I believe personally, a lot of people don't like mecha because they feel like all it is is you know meathead stuff it's just big robots fighting each other the whole time and that's kind of like a stigma i feel like with a lot of people in the anime community they're like 100 you know 100 there's no story here this is just fights which is kind of funny because at the same time it's like but you love shonen right so that's a lot of shonen shonen is <laughs> shonen is like 110 percent fights too so it's. I think it's part of the fact that the the story in a lot of mecha series do be lacking sometimes. I'm not gonna lie, but people just feel like giant robots are kind of a little too much for them. You know what I'm saying? I think it's silly, but I, I'm like giant robots are cool with me. They may be impractical, 
on on a uh, on a realism scale, but <laughs> super cool. So I think you know we're trying to hit hit it from all angles. You got you got a diverse cast. You've got a a great story and still awesome fights. You know, unique designs um, and just a world that is not confined to one point of, of like one region. Like everything happens in Japan or everything happens in the West, you know, or something like that. Or, or even if it just happens in two places, like our, our entire story takes place across the globe. You'll need our, our cast will travel to multiple countries, multiple points of interest. Like I can't even talk about all the points of interest. Cause that'd be, that'd be kind of spoilery. Well, okay. So one of the places that they'll visit is the Bermuda triangle. Like we'll be dealing with why the magnetism is like the way it is in that area and stuff like that. So, Wait, could it be a magnet titan, or could it be a titan that manipulates magnetism as its power? It could be. Well, you have to wait and find <laughs> out. <laughs> they, they may go to that area, third arc. It takes place in the third arc. So you're still going to have to wait about 30 chapters or so before we get to that place. But within the first two arcs, you're already traveling outside of the, outside of the country, you know? Yeah. I mean, it all sounds absolutely incredible. Just a point I wanted to make about current anime fandom and the state of the mecha genre within current anime fandom. I feel like because of a lot of anime fandom at the moment is very much focused on shonen anime and specifically battle shonen. Yeah. They're kind of like enamored with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they don't particularly have the range to be able to critically analyze and appreciate mecha anime. I agree. Now that could be me being a bit elitist, but all they see is giant shooty robots on the surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mecha genre like has series that run that like length and breadth of anime. I mean, there's shoujo mecha stuff. I mean, there's Magic Knight Raya from Clamp. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, they're in all kinds of different subgenres of of mecha. Like they 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 can hit all different points. I mean, I've seen some crazy shit and. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like you know you've got to you got to look beyond the surface of what the mecha genre seems to offer. I guess you know, like you said, a lot of people just see the big robots and they think that's it. It's it starts and ends with giant robots scrapping. That's it. Yeah, of course. I'm like as I said, there's shoujo mecha with Magic Knight Rare. There's magical girl mecha even. Um, Grand Belm, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a magical girl mecha series. There's sports mecha, Basquash. So yeah, there's something there really for everyone. So now that we've obviously spoken about Blade Titans and you've given me the lowdown on that, I want to talk to you more about Studio Maho and the work you're doing there and the importance of that work as a manga studio that is founded by and fronted by black creators. First of all, could you just tell me about the transition from Team God Punch to Studio Maho, why you felt the need to make that change? and the importance and basically magnitude of the work that you've got coming up. Yeah, it was a pretty big, big decision. So the way everything started was, you know, with Team God Punch, I was brought on as an illustrator specifically for the God Punch series. And that was like, you know, the only thing that we were working on at the time. That's how we got started. Um, So, of course, we were Team God Punch because that's like our main thing. That's our series. And that's what people know us by. So um, we went by that for a while. And then it was around the time when, you know, we started working on Blade Titans. And then we had another series like we were going to we can we can talk about that if you want. But we had another s- series down the line that we wanted to do. That's it's like a gag, like parody series that I believe we talked about on um, another podcast, maybe last year, sometime last year. But yeah, I mean, we, we got to the point where we realized we're like, yeah, we have we have other series that we want to write. We have stuff that we want to do down the line. You know, it's not always going to be just God Punch. So we started thinking, we're like, okay, so when we get to the point where we have all these series, I mean, what are we going to be called, right? We don't want to be called something that only represents one series out of all the ones that we have. So Patrick just randomly threw out the idea of Studio Maho, like, and I was like, this is dope. And he was like, yeah. And then we could have like the, the slogan be, or the tagline be where the magic happens. I was like, dude, this is perfect. So we ran with the idea of Studio Maho and we had had this idea for months. Like it's been just kind of sitting since last year. Like I said, you know, when we were working on Blade Titans, 
we had the idea and yeah i guess we were just kind of waiting I, I, I guess we figured studio maho would be like the end goal uh essentially in terms of when we're a full-blown manga and animation studio like more so on the side of when we have a full animation team and and you know we we do eventually want to start our own animation studio like full-blown be up there with the greats you know you talk about oh i wish studio maho would pick up x series you know in the in the same conversation as uh yeah we'd love if mappa picked this up or bones picked this up or something like that you know we want to get to that point but also at the same time like we're more than just an animation studio because we create our own series so we kind of you know as black creators we want to create series that are inclusive you know have a lot of representation and diversity for for people like us but also you know other marginalized groups like you know you know people of color and and just all across the board not just stopping at at black representation but representing a lot of different people you know that are not usually represented in the anime and manga medium so that's kind of our our main thing on the manga side and then of course on the animation side we wanted to create a team of creators or of animators that can create animation based on our series so for now you know our animation team just does in-house stuff you know we're working on a anime opening for for god punch right now the guys at um shade of red shout out to shade of red ls they sent their animation team over to us to help our guys out with creating an anime opening like uh the little teaser that they did for their for their release wow that's that's so dope of them to do that yeah so yeah big ups to them on that um really appreciate them uh lending lending the extra hands so yeah we'll have a you know a little god punch opening uh and then of course we can start posting that kind of stuff on our website and our youtube channel we want to get some animations out for blade titans down the line and that's that's crazy i mean if blade titans animation don't even get me started on how i'd flip out man oh yeah i'd do backflips <laughs> like if you ever want me to do any voice work or anything just holler at me man i would love to voice a character in blade titans oh of course yeah like we're definitely gonna be you know looking for some people to to do some voiceover work for um our animation projects uh and we have some we have some connections with people but we're all we're always looking for more more folks to do some voiceover work just to have in mind you know for when those projects do eventually come up yeah i mean and, and me and patrick always talk about like what studio would we have animate god punch what studio would we have animate play titans and of course sunrise does like a ish ton of mecha series i mean they're 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 known for doing all the gundam series of course but i feel like some other some other studios could also do a, a good job but sunrise is like the first people that come to mind just because of how just stacked they are for me for mecha anime there's like three studios that like are kind of like the cream of the crop the triumvirate yeah there's obviously sunrise who mm -hmm. did gundam series code gs and cross Ange, among other things Right. And then there's Bones, who did Eureka 7. Yeah. Uh, they did Mars Daybreak. There's obviously um, Zebek as well, who did uh, Martian Success and Alesco. They did the Fafna series, mm -hmm. uh, which is quite a big mecha series, kind of like of the 2000s. Mm -hmm. They did Die Guard as well, which is kind of like a comedy gag mecha series almost, which is really, really good if you haven't seen it. So yeah, mm. those are kind of the three. Zebek doesn't exist anymore um sunrise actually brought them out and they're now sunrise beyond so yeah oh interesting okay yeah they used to be owned by ig port who obviously own production ig but they got bought out in 2019 by sunrise mm. and have become um sunrise beyond kind of like a sister studio to sunrise well oh. like a secondary studio under sunrise so yeah and you're you were just talking about zebek zebek in association with production ID, ig did one of the inspirations for blade titans one of my favorite mecha series that i watched in the past was well it's got two na two names it's either it goes by broken blade or break blade i didn't know zebek animated broken blade they yeah them and um and production ig i guess worked on the series together i had no idea yeah yeah i really um i really enjoyed that series that's one of the inspirations for uh for blade titans just in terms of uh i just like the fights and stuff in that series like as well animated but other than broken blade what other series like directly inspired you to create blade titans definitely zoids 
I love Zoids. Like when I was a kid, that was like one of my favorite series. Specifically the New Century Zero Zoids with BitCloud and the Liger Zero. That was like my shit. <laughs> so that's definitely an, an inspiration. Kuro Makuro is pretty recent. I think that came out in probably like 2016. Yeah, I'd say so. The story is a little bit different in terms of how it handles Mecha with and and you know feudal Japan and whatnot and stuff like that and like Mecha existing in the past. But that's definitely an inspiration. I really liked Aldenoa Zero. Wow. Yeah, I like Aldenoa Zero is pretty cool. Uh, with the of course with the idea of like there being a whole Mars colony and whatnot. I mean, Gundam has done that. Gundam has done that too. Yeah. Yeah, Mars being terraformed is actually quite a common trope in um, mecha anime. It's pretty common. Yeah. I mean, Mars Daybreak, which I mentioned by Bones, which is a very, very like kind of obscure 2004 mecha anime. It's really, really good if you get a chance to watch it. Okay. I think it's on 2B TV, so you can actually stream it for free. Mm. Um, that deals with a terraformed Mars. But in that iteration of a terraformed Mars, um, Mars is actually covered by water. So it's an ocean and the mecha actually built specifically to operate underwater so yeah if you get a chance to check out mars daybreak seriously watch it it's really really good okay yeah i'm definitely gonna have to check that out what else did i watch oh so of course how can you mention mecha without or mecha anime without mentioning Gurren lagan like come on now um i think that was one of the, like not one of the first mecha series but maybe like one of the first five that i watched and I really liked the idea of like a mecha that could essentially evolve itself and just keep going. So no spoilers, but you may see, you know, uh, some, some influences of that concept in Blade Titans. Really liked Gurren Lagann. I watched Heroic Age and Heroic Age was different. Like, and it's been so long. I can't even like remember the whole thing behind it. I know it was like an alien mecha series and it took place in space. I don't think I've seen Heroic Age. It came out like in 2007. It's pretty solid. Like it's a it's a it's like a, it's a pretty solid series. I'm going to rewatch it again because I don't remember the whole storyline behind it, but I just remember it being really good. Definitely Eureka 7. And a lot of these influences are maybe not so much the story itself, but just like I like the the design of the mechas or how they dealt with how mechas moved and whatnot yeah so i just kind of like to take bits and pieces from all the series that i've seen and just kind of like okay what was what was something i really enjoyed that i think that i could incorporate in my series and not just to not just for the sake of adding that but more so just because like it fits the story well you know and it would be interesting i mean there's a lot of variation to mecha designs mecha abilities and and whatnot especially when you get into the whole like aside from just the robot design itself, but when they have like abilities or something like that, you know, you can do a lot of cool things with that. So yeah, there's some other ones on this list that I've kind of like listed. And as far as needing to watch or wanting to, to look at mm. line barrels of iron, I started watching. I haven't seen that yet. It's on my plan to watch list though. My incredibly long plan to watch list. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not, I'm not going to say it's bad. It's just, it's just so weird. Like the fan, it's got kind of like a weird fan service aspect to it because I believe the, the main character has to like, it's like the girl that he meets is like the key to summoning the Mecca or something like that. And so her whole transformation thing, I believe is that she like becomes naked during the transformation scene. It's really weird. It's it's, but I think the series is 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 kind of good, um, just because it's it's an interesting concept. But yeah, I was like, what am I watching? Hold on. Uh, of course, I have Gundam on this list because there's just a bunch of different Gundam series that um, that I need to watch. I have all you need is kill on this list, and that's not a mecha series. Okay. I don't think I've seen that, to be perfectly honest. So, you may have seen uh, Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. That is based on a manga called All You Need Is Kill. I did not know that. Yeah, so 
Edge of Tomorrow is kind of like a localization of that, essentially, turned into a film. So, of course, All You Need is Kill takes place in Japan, and the story itself is a little bit different, but the general premise is the same, you know, and of being, you know, dying and redoing things over again. But the artwork for that series is really insane. So that's why that's on this list. Same with this other series, Jumbo Barotronica, which I believe is done by the same dude that did Shaman King. Yeah. So, yeah, the author of Shaman King did a mecha manga. No way. That's dope. What's it called? Jumbor Barutronica. I am going to Google that in a minute because I, I need to read that. Yeah, it got canceled. Okay, so basically it was serialized way back in like 2007, you know, in Japan. Ran and jumped for a couple of years. Then it had two short stories that got published inside of Ultra Jump. And then he decided to remake the series from scratch and just call it Jumbor. And that's apparently still being serialized in Ultra Jump. I'm not sure if that got canceled. But that series also takes place way in the future, all the way in 3002. It's a pretty interesting concept of the series, you know. So the mechas are called Jumbors. This this low key like gives me Mega Man vibes in terms of like the way that it's <laughs> the way that it's structured because the doctor uh, who there's like a doctor scientist dude who created the the Jumbors and his name is like Doctor Road DeCult. Uh and that gives me like Doctor Wily or Doctor Light vibes. But anyway, the the Jumbors all have they all have construction related powers like a drill or a crane or a shovel or something like that. And so I thought that was interesting that there was like you know a set number of them and they all had a specific ability and I kind of like through that concept into Blade Titans with the the idea of the Titans all having a specific attribute. And there's a couple other references, but I'm not going to get into spoilers with that. So, Okay, so um, I just read apparently on TV Tropes that Jumbo Barutronica mm-hmm. obviously was cancelled. Right. But apparently there was a reboot of it. Yeah, Jumbo. Called just Jumbo on its own. Yeah. Which ran for 10 volumes, but apparently it's been put on hiatus. Ah, okay. So that's kind of cool. I'll check it out though, for sure. So I... I wouldn't be surprised if it went on hiatus because Takei decided to do that continuation of Shaman King. What is it called? Wait, there's more Shaman King. I believe so. It's got like a, it's got like a. That's another reason why I try like not to read Shona manga because they tend to go on forever, especially when they become cash cow franchises. <laughs> like their paymasters are just like, you will write this until you die, basically. Right. Definitely. I have too many series to do that. So like as, as much as I would love to, I do have some series where I, I love the world a lot and I would love for them to keep going. I'm going to end said series and just be done with it. Not come back to it. If somebody else wants to come on and write a continuation, you know, a little spinoff or whatever, they are more than welcome to do that. Uh, as long as it's good, I have no problem with that. But as far as me working on the series, I like, you know, when series have a definitive end and then I just go work on something else. Of course. I mean, that reminds me, I was going to ask, I saw some merch for something called Black Lotus on your store. What is that? So, yeah. Is it separate to God Punch? Yes. So, um, before I was brought on for God Punch, I had the Yin Design store already. Like, I had a Teespring store. And that Black Lotus merch is for one of my personal series that I started and then stopped because I decided to kind of redo some things and, and, and work more on the story itself. But yeah, that's my like main series that I really want to get out. Blade Titans was like an idea that I had randomly and I was like, let's do it. And it, and even then Blade Titans was actually only supposed to be a one shot. We were going to submit it to the Shonen Jump contest and couldn't finish it in time. So I decided, let's just do the series in its entirety. Like, since we've already put all this work into it, you know, I'd rather not just stop. Because if we release this, I already know people are going to be like, where's the rest of it? You know what I'm saying? And I would hate to leave people hanging, you know, starting a series like this and then just being like, okay, I'm going to go do something else for how many years? And then we'll come back. And that happens a lot, I think, in manga. Like, a lot of these mangaka will have a, uh, a series that they were working on prior to the one that really blew up. And that other series is just stuck in the vault for however long you know so as much as like blade titans may blow up or you know god punch may blow up or whatever both of those series have definitive ends and they're not going to go on forever because both me and patrick have a bunch of other series that we want to write black lotus is like i'm saying my personal like magnum opus series you know 
I have about three or four different series that all take place in the same universe. Similar to like a Marvel Comics situation, you know, you got all the uh, individual stories for characters, but they will eventually, you know, cross over or whatnot. Really, like when I was younger, I got into to graphic novels and whatnot, and and that the idea of there being this extended universe, you know, for all of these characters and all of these stories taking place in the same universe, really like resonated with me, and I wanted to do that the same thing. So I just decided to go the manga route and take that idea with me so black lotus is the first in basically like the introduction to the universe you know it's this story about this guy who's a police detective who is trying to clean up corruption in his both his police department and the city and he gets killed on an operation gone wrong you know he's trying to like essentially catch people in the act of uh robbing a bank that goes sideways and he dies after being interrogated by you know, people that are on the crime syndicate who runs the city, people in the operation were on that pay on their payroll. So they capture him. They take him to this warehouse, one of their warehouses, they interrogate him and they shoot him. Right. And the warehouse is housing a, a relic called the King's Copish. And it's a, a relic that belonged to the King of the Dead, you know, or, or Osiris, essentially not to be confused with the Egyptian version of Osiris. But there are some themes taken from that iteration with his name and like design and whatnot. Basically, his spirit was housed in that Osiris's spirit was housed in his relic, the King's Kopesh. And when the main character, Dion Rayson, was dying, he decided to use Dion's body as as a vessel, essentially, to to resurrect himself. And so that series is basically about how the main character merges with Osiris's body, and Osiris tells him, like, Yo, I was killed, you know, quote unquote killed and banished from my domain of the afterlife. You know, like you need to help me take down the people who were responsible and and restore, you know, balance to the afterlife, essentially. And so that series serves as, like I said, the introduction to the extended universe. You know, there's some lore being built in the series that you'll learn about, you know, different races of beings and different uh, like power system and whatnot. So there's that series that leads into another series that teaches you about like the celestial race and, and uh, a dimension outside of Earth and whatnot. And then I have two other series that I'm going to write after that one that's called The Final Rewind that deals with, you know, time travel and, and stopping future from happening. Uh, and that'll like you'll learn about other places around the world, like fantastical places that exist in other series, such as like Atlantis and whatnot, but with my own twist, you know, we're not going with like standard Atlantis cause that's boring. So, and then there's one other, there's two other series. So there's one other series that's called explosion Joe. And that's about a superhero spy team, spy organization. And the main character has explosive abilities. And this is not supposed to be, any reference to Bakugo from My Hero Academia, who, had, who also has explosive <laughs> powers. My, I came up with this character way before My Hero Academia. No, of course. I mean, I don't even watch Hero Aka, so you're fine. Okay, so, but but for anyone out there who's like, oh, there's already a character that has explosions, that, you know, uses explosions in his as his power set. Not even remotely related, completely different characters. I mean, to be fair, Jubilee from... X-Men kind of has explosive powers, so they can't really use that as an excuse. They can't say you're copying Hero Eka because Jubilee from X-Men, and there are other characters in comic books that have explosive abilities, so yeah. That's true. I mean, Jubilee's powers are a little bit different, but yeah, they're close enough. Right, yeah. So just before anybody goes that route, because this is a manga, and I know people will make the manga comparison, but it's completely different, and it has nothing to do with My Hero Academia in terms of uh, like story elements or whatnot. But uh, the main character has, like, nuclear power. You know, he can create, like, ridiculous explosions and whatnot. Um, it's different transformations. That's another series that takes place in the same universe. And then there's one other series that I'm written the outline for. It takes place in the same universe, but it's an alternate timeline. So it's like a disaster event happens at a pivotal point in history and changes the timeline. Um, so there will be some similar characters that would show up in the main timeline and the lore and everything is the same but there are some differences because of that event so uh and that series is called calamity zero so like i said i have a ton of stuff i want to write so i can tell 
I can't uh, can't can't sit on one series too long. <laughs> Just make sure you finish Blade Titans first, or else there's going to be a problem. Oh, of course, of course. That series, like, I think we want to write, we want that one to run for what I say about forty volumes. That sounds about right. That that's that's the tentative length of the series. So that would be about how many arcs is that? Well, it depends on how long each arc is. So I can't really plan that out just off the top of my head. But um, like I said, it's a global series, so there's a lot of travel and and stuff going on, which means that the series does need to be, you know have some link to it. Otherwise, it'll seem like you're just jumping from place to place. And that's a good place to end. Where can we find you on social media, Allende? Um, so on Twitter, you can find me at yen underscore designs on Instagram, Kokujin creates, uh, K O K U J I N creates, but with a K all one word. And of course, you know, follow our studio Maho social media pages. I believe on Twitter, it's at studio Maho and on Instagram, I believe it's official studio Maho. Definitely follow us on those. Um, and if you're not following our, the co-writer of Blade Titans, Patrick, Find him at Gumbo Goon on Twitter and uh, believe it's God Punch Pat on Instagram. So, yeah. How comes you have different handles on Insta and Twitter for both Studio Maho and yourself personally? So my handle on Twitter has been Yin Designs for a while because I that was my graphic design company name. Ah, uh, okay. So I kept that and just made the username the same. The username is Kokajin Create. So if you search that up, you should be able to find me on both Instagram and Twitter uh, under the same name. The profile name on Twitter is Kokajin Creates, yeah. Yeah. Twitter and uh the Studio Maho Twitter was Studio Maho. Instagram Studio Maho was apparently already taken. So uh we had to add official to the name. Oh okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. On Instagram and Twitter, I, I try and keep both of them the same. Obviously, Twitter has a 15 character limit for names, so that's the only thing, which kind of sucks, but you know. Right. Anyways, in terms of social media for me, you can find me on socials at AshbeardGuy. Uh, that's on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find Buildcasters on Twitter and Instagram at Buildcasters. And you can find my other project, Black Anime Podcasts, which is a directory for anime podcasts by black creators on Twitter and Instagram at Black Anime Pods. And on that note, Buildcast is out. Say bye, Ayende. Peace out. Peace out. This episode of Buildcasters was produced by Ash Beard Guy and Sentai 5 with music provided by Versi Jones. Battle, Battle ended. ended. Battle ended.